Reading now the Gospel lesson from John 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray Jesus, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. With the preposition is an unsung hero of our language. Like the grooves that hold the floor beneath us together, we don't think about how critical the word with is, but try to walk through this building with the boards not quite together, or try to speak a paragraph without the word with in it, and you'll soon appreciate their value. Four times in the one little story I read to you from John, the word with is used. In each instance, it does its job, it connects. Lazarus was among those with Jesus at the table. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Mary wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, and Jesus declared that his disciples will always have the poor with them. With not only helps our syntax, it also reveals how our faith is practiced. Ministry to someone and ministry with someone are different forms of ministry. There are times when someone is ministered unto. The man who fell into the hands of the robbers was not in a place to minister with the Good Samaritan. He simply received that ministry. Most of us, most of the time, however, are part of ministries that are with. Life is shared. Ministering with someone is is often more rewarding and more successful than ministering to them or at them or as if they are an object of our ministry. They're not. They're meant to be those we connect with. Notice who Jesus is with in Bethany. The two prominent actors in the story are Mary and Judas. Mary, a model of fidelity and devotion. Judas, an example of betrayal and unfaithfulness. Both with Jesus. Both, despite their different ways of treating Jesus, are with him that night. Jesus' reach is wide and his followers are complex. Most of us are between Mary and Judas or some combination thereof. Some days looking more like Mary, some days looking more like Judas. So Jesus invites us to the table, all of us. There were others with Jesus, Mary, and Judas that night. Mary's sister Martha, who served, and their brother Lazarus, a man Jesus had restored to life. Jesus.
Jesus had ministered to Lazarus and his family. Now he was ministering with them. They shared a meal, which is so much more than simply eating. Sisters must have looked from one man to the other. We lost you. You were gone, yet now you're back, they said to the brother. You saved him, restored his life, brought him to us. They said to Jesus, now we are together with one another. Don't ever leave us again. There's no repaying someone for a gift like Jesus gave to that family. They knew that. A meal, a foot washing, all the perfume in the world wouldn't have been the adequate thank you for restoring their brother's life. Mary's anointing was far more than an act of appreciation. It was an act of devotion. It was an extravagant display, something along the lines of worship. And the way incense fills the sanctuary, so the house was filled with the scent of that expensive perfume. Everyone could smell it, this this display of devotion. But Jesus could feel it as she wiped his feet with her hair. For those of us who have to be nudged a little to participate in the foot washing on Monday, Thursday, respectfully, antiseptically, using a towel to wipe another's foot dry, this level of withness is uncomfortably close. Mary felt connected to Jesus in a powerful, worshipful way that is unnerving. It was too much for Judas. Whatever the display meant, it certainly meant a valuable item, perfume worth perhaps 300 denarii, was now gone, used up. In one moment, upwards of a year's salary wasted on an over-the-top display of affection. How dare she, she wondered. I wonder. I struggle with how closely I'm aligned with Judas on this one. But I think what the church could do with a year's salary that might honor Jesus more than having spent it in a momentary act of affection. I've traveled to some poor places in the world and I've seen some quite opulent sanctuaries and wondered if that's how Jesus would have that money spent in that poor place. then, how dare I? I get to worship worship in a place like this. And there's some very poor people not far from here. Why is it okay for me to worship here in a place like this and not for others elsewhere? Are worship spaces for the God who can restore someone to life? Who throws an over-the-top celebration every time a lost sheep returns home? Who is willing to die in order to save? Really best designed with restraint and sensibility as the guiding attribute. If God is willing to scatter seeds in all directions, knowing that some will hit fertile soil and many will be wasted. If God is willing to kill the fatted as soon as a child returns home, if if Jesus, who loved the poor, 
was willing to stay the feast, not fast, while the bridegroom is with you. Why are we so consumed with being the pragmatic custodians of the day? Doling it out carefully, as if there's a limited supply. The Reverend Dr. Talmadge Skinner, or Revbo, as I was allowed to call him, was Walford's chaplain when Sally and I were in school there. He offered the homily at our wedding. Well, it was longer than a homily. It, it was a, some, a real, some, it was long. <laughs> it was a big day. I, I can't remember everything he said, but one thing that has stuck with me over these years, almost 20 now, is that love is a renewable resource. We don't have to dole it out carefully, preserving more for future expressions, as if one day we'd run out of supplies. He told us to love fully, with all that we have, because if we do, there will be even more love to offer tomorrow. And if that's true for spouses, it's even truer for our relationship with God. Mary may not have had more perfume to use the following day. Maybe she would not be in a position to wipe Jesus' feet dry with her hair the next day. But there would be another way to show Jesus' devotion, another way to show him love. All it would require is for Mary to be with Jesus the next day. But what about when Jesus isn't right before our eyes? Some people have mistreated this passage, used it to justify a church that's so invested in worship experiences that it's to the exclusion of ministering with those outside of its walls. They, they've said it's right to pour themselves into that, to use up their jars of perfume on Jesus, because as he said, you always have the poor with you, you do not always have me. Well, they miss, of course. that Jesus told his disciples how they would find him when they could no longer see him right before their eyes. When they cared for the least of them. Fed them. Gave them drink. Clothed them. Welcomed them. Visited them. When they did that for them, they did it for him. When they ministered with the poor, they ministered with I learned something this week about that famous line, you will always have the poor with you. I studied Greek, but remember none of it. Thankfully, Lindsay Trazo still does. She told me and whoever else read her commentary that the same Greek word can either be in the present indicative form or the present imperative form. Now you see why I don't remember any Greek. What that means is, you always have the poor with you. An indication of how things are could also be translated, you should always have the poor with you. A command about how things should be. I like that. 
those opulent places of worship around the world and in Florence are rightfully impressive in their architecture and composition because they are meant to honor this God who is so impressively generous to us. They're especially right if they are shared places of worship. If the poor are with the rich, the newcomer with the long-timer, the young with the old, the black with the white, if they are less places that launch ministry at others, but instead where place, are places where ministry is shared with others, then they are places that honor this God with us. If Lindsay's reading of the sentence is correct, always have the poor with you. In a welcoming, embracing, collaborative form of ministry, a, a with form of ministry. Maybe as unwise as wasting a 300 denarii jar of perfume. And maybe as pleasing to God as the 